Welcome back to another Ghost Cold Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with super producer and guitarist Will Putney. Will's brand new album from his band End, Splinters from an Ever-Changing Face, comes out June 5th via Closed Casket Activities. Check it out. And the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast welcomes in a guy so cool that he is on Metal Archives and his main band is not Will Putney. <laughs> What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I planned that intro for quite a while, by the way. Um, That's pretty good. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, first and foremost, as, as excited as I am to chat with you about a lot of things going on with you right now in your career, uh, I sincerely hope that you, your family, your friends, every band you're in, all their family and friends and loved ones are safe and whole from this you know, virus, pandemic, etc. I hope you guys are okay out there because this is the most important thing is wellness and you know well-being yeah well thank you man you too so far um we've been fortunate my family and the bands and everyone are in good health and everyone trying to solve their own problems and adjust to life right now but um we're all we're all okay so it could be worse right just generally speaking obviously you you know touring and things like that but uh has this uh, sort of quarantine rules and things affected your producing career at all? Uh, it has. We've had to reschedule a few things here. and There's some international uh, bands that I was kind of looking at working with uh, in the coming months where some of that's in jeopardy. I had to cancel a trip to make a record. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to have some downtime for the first time in a while, which uh, I'm honestly not complaining about, but I did, you know, obviously it, it gets more complicated when you're not working or making money. And uh, Yeah, I, I've been able to reschedule, so I'll be okay. You know, I just, um, I uh, it did like put a, put a wrench in my ear, as, as I'm sure this has done to so many people out there. Indeed, indeed. We're all kind of suffering through this, the entire industry at every level, all of us together. It's just strange. Um, we never really lived through a world war, our generations, but like here we are. Um, <laughs> a silent war. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a world war. So like I said, it, it, it could always be worse. No, but, for uh, sure. I know people, <clears throat> obviously people are, it, it's affecting people more severely than it is me. So I definitely feel bad for a lot of people can't work or, you know, struggling more. I'm just fortunate enough to be in a spot where, you know, making music for a living has put me in a, in a, in a decent place where uh, we're going to come out of this okay. But, you know, I feel for people who are having a hard time right now. Indeed, indeed. And music will help us get through. And uh, you have new music on the way, which is really exciting. So... And I, I, I don't want to quite call it a supergroup because I think that name gets thrown around and overused a lot. But End is a collection of incredible names and musicians in extreme music, death metal, grindcore, uh, you know, all kinds of modern technical metal. Uh, yourself, Brendan of Counterparts, Billy Reimer from Dillinger and other bands, uh, Greg from Misery Signals, and of course, one of my favorites, Shai Halud, uh, and Jay you know, from Reign Supreme. So, like, so many great artists come together. You have a new single and video out, Covet Not, that just premiered on Brooklyn Vegan, if I'm not mistaken. 
and uh, the song is yep. in, the song is insanely good. So um, let's, oh, thank you. you're welcome. Let's start talking about and um, how did uh, you know? Obviously, you have a new record coming out, Splinters from an Ever Changing Face, coming out June fifth on closed ca- casket activities. So just first and foremost, how did you guys come together? And uh, you know, what can we expect more of this Covet Not track and things like that? Because this is just a brain peeler, man. Yeah, well, thanks, man. I'm glad you dig it. So far, the response has been really awesome, which is cool. You never know what I'm going to hear back once you put stuff out there. Uh, but it seems like people dig it, so um, I'm happy with the with the way it's reacting. It's great. The uh, the band started basically. Uh, this is a, like a style piece that was like play and listen to. It's one of my like preferred, you know, sort of little niches in in heavy music. And I just know a lot of people who like this stuff too. And you meet dudes in a, in a ton of bands when when I'm when I'm making records who I, I discover like share a passion for a similar style, um, Brendan being one of them. So we had always talked about how cool some of these bands are and like how I have, it just doesn't really work in my band or it doesn't really work in Counterpart, but we just both had like a bit of a desire to um, do a record like that. And I had this like, I think uh, I had Brendan sing on a fit for an autopsy record and he kind of did a couple things with his voice that he doesn't normally do and I was like well, I think you sound pretty good over like heavier stuff like maybe we should do this one day so I don't know we kind of laughed at it how it would be fun to do and then one day I was just like had a little bit of downtime and I wanted to give it a shot so I was like hey do you want to do this band we just go full on and make like a really extreme band that's just super crushing and really fast and we start to talk about the influences it could have, and I realized like this would click pretty well with some other people that I knew. So I asked Jay, I asked Greg, you know, and um, Andrew, who was our original drummer. I knew all these guys liked this stuff, and nobody was really doing a band like this. So I kind of just, you know, all my friends who I back as musicians who I thought would be really interested in this, they were all kind of the first calls I made, and. Uh, everybody was all about it so we wrote a little bit independently and then we just the day the first day we started tracking the EP is the first time we were all actually in a room together uh, at one which I thought was like strange because that's a weird way for a band to start in the studio like that but it like real quickly we all became very good friends like as a unit and uh, we had a lot of fun making that first record and uh, it was received pretty good we played some shows and now we're, you know, we realized people kind of were into what we were doing, so we wanted to try a little harder on this LP. The last one was, like, fast and fun, and we were just kind of getting it out of our system. It's more of, like, a passion project. felt more like a side project thing, you know. We uh, approached this new one a bit more focused, and, yeah, that's where we are now. That's what you're hearing now. Killer. Even though everybody in the group has kind of a background in, you know, obviously extreme metal and even hardcore, there's like a straight up grind vein that runs through the music that, I've, you know, the EP and this new single that's like, there's like a little bit of grindcore, you know, just unrelenting punch in the face music that I love, man. Just trick tickle something in me. Uh, is, is that a thing you don't get out of your other projects? <clears throat> I think it's like a different aesthetic. I mean, obviously, it plays pretty fast and stuff, but it's rooted more in like, you know, death metal and classic, like Swedish 
melodic death metal stuff. But uh, yeah, with this band, we just wanted to go to the extremes with some stuff. And a lot of the napalm bass meets rotten sound with like the hardcore influence to us was like that sweet spot where it was like, yeah, we can do this like really crushing grind stuff and then, um, you know, incorporate some of the 90s hardcore influences we all grew up with. So it's just a collage of like our favorite versions of really extreme stuff, you know, and uh, and everybody likes those, like we all like the same band. So it was like a really easy process to be like, yeah, let's do a riff like this or let's try like making a song that does you know, what these guys do, but let's also throw in this vibe. And, you know, and we were all on a page with, like, uh, all of our influences kind of line up when it comes to these, comes to end. And uh, it was just, like, this real fun thing, to, you know, to, to, get, to get that out. Nice, man. And, of course, it's got to be, you know, just refreshing to just uh, come in with a different mindset and a vibe, different people. Uh, I, I often say that being in a band is sometimes like a loveless relationship, even when you love your band and have a great band. And uh, so it's just good to get a respite from one group and go make, you know, be creative with a bunch of different people. It's got to be good for you. Yeah, I feel like normally when I'm making records, I do enjoy the records, of course, but I'm always making a record for somebody else or there's like a goal in mind something we're trying to accomplish we want the songs to be like this the band's trying to get bigger or they're going in this direction there's always this thing where we're working towards and we're I wouldn't say restricting yourselves but this more task-minded there's a goal that we're trying to achieve with these things and with the end stuff it's just like we all like this music so let's just have fun and make whatever we make you know there's like no rules to it and we get to like just write the stuff we like and actually not care at all about what it's going to do or who's going to like it because, you know, luckily we all have other projects that keep us busy all year and, and uh, it's really just an outlet to do exactly what we want. It's just fun. Awesome. Love to hear it. Um, in terms of the writing, is it pretty, you know, unilateral where everybody contributes or is it kind of you and Brendan, like you said, maybe driving the process a little bit? Um, we all contribute. Greg definitely is a big part of the songwriting for the band. This new record, we did a lot of it together. You know, it was just a lot of it started with me and him uh, working on riffs and coming up with stuff. We have our own songs that we brought in independently and we kind of worked on each other's stuff. Uh, but we did a, a nice chunk of it together on this record. And, and Billy coming down into the studio and kind of jamming with us and writing his parts as we're writing songs we all kind of work side by side um, on this one and then obviously Brendan Brendan was pretty cool about letting us kind of do our thing with the music and then he kind of showed up to work on you know what he would do with lyrics and stuff he didn't um, kind of just let us write the music we wanted to and then did his part you know so we had a, it was a really good workflow and um yeah, everybody everybody contributes and everybody feels, you know, like they're getting their input in this band, which I think is, is, is a cool thing. There definitely seems to be some gang vocals on the record and some vocal trading between Brendan and Jay. 
uh, from Reign Supreme. So I definitely wanted to ask you about, you know, how you guys divvied that up, how that factored into the writing process. Um, and, you know, how did you delineate between the two guys who would sing what and when? that's killer i love i'm a sucker for gang vocals you know so that's uh i'm i'm pumped so obviously you know schedules being thrown into the to the wind who knows hopefully we're gonna come out of this crazy coronavirus pandemic soon uh record drops in june did you guys have some touring planned uh and hopefully rebooked potentially yeah we uh well we had a misery signal store in april and may originally that's when the record was gonna come out um and we had some more shows that hadn't actually been announced uh, that we were planning around that also to do like some album release shows. So uh, obviously none of that happened. Now we moved, we moved the record to June just to make sure without any shipping delays and everything, people can get their records like, you know, when the, when the record's out. But I didn't want to keep kids like waiting and I wasn't sure if like there'd be a two week delay getting final in or anything like that so we, we moved the record up a bit just to make sure everything would arrive on time so it's coming out in june and as of right now the earliest we are even going to try to go back out is november so we do have postponed misery signal dates um in november that are announced now tickets are on sale and stuff um and we're hoping they go uh who knows you know it's very very unpredictable right now when shows are going to start to happen again and in what capacity in America but as soon as we hear we're good and get some kind of green light you know we're going to continue to book more shows and try to play in a lot of places we haven't been you know so far right on well we definitely cannot wait to see you hit the stage uh, with this band again you know, I think I've run into this with a lot of fans, you know, unfortunately being in the music journal world, it's cancellation after cancellation and delay after delay lately. And I try to explain to to fans, it's like, it's not just, oh, I'll just drop the record digital and we'll buy it later. You probably won't though. And I think a lot of people need to respect and understand labels, especially smaller ones need to, you know, be mindful of the most possible success for an album. And also the same thing, even the bigger bands, Lamb of God and Hatebreed, you know, friends of yours and huge payers. And like, you know, these are major bands that sell a lot of physical merch and they're albums of failure if they don't sell those bundles and that vinyl and those shirt and CD packages, you know. And uh, let's talk about that for a second because it definitely affects you, uh, you know, at every level as a producer and as an artist. Sure. I mean, we, you know, we decided to put the record out without touring on it um, because we just felt like it would still do what we hoped it would do right now and honestly 
think it's a good time for a record like this. You know, people are angry, and it's definitely a pissed-off sounding record. I, I just felt like, you know, we could get this out in the world now. I would know if I was a fan and I was home and bored as hell, and I saw a band I really like put music out. It would give me something to do, and that would be cool. You know, so we were like, let's just do it. We'll put it out. We're, you know, luckily it's like doing well, which is cool, but there's less pressure for a band like us to perform well, you know, than there are some more established bands and veteran bands and things like that. And, you know, I think that people will have to adapt. The whole industry is going to have to adapt to a, a new scale of what records are going to sell right now and this year. And, um, I don't know why people are so afraid of releasing music uh, and delaying albums and stuff. I think these numbers and this first week stuff and everything that's like, you know, all, all, all the numbers that are going to come out in the next few months, obviously there's going to be, you know, everyone's going to take a hit collectively. There's not going to be retail. You can't, you, there's record stores aren't buying records right now. No one's on tour right now. It's it's in a cost of board scaling. So, you know, I don't think anyone holds it against you if your record that comes out in July doesn't perform as good as the one you released to yourself, you know. But, um, there's probably a lot of pressure from different angles to try to maximize the most amount of sales and get the best first week number still. So I can see the hesitation with certain labels and bands on wanting to delay things. We just thought it wasn't really, didn't really make sense for us. And I felt like it was a disservice to kids who, you know, have been waiting a long time for us to put new stuff out anyway to just further delay this. So, yeah, but it's tough. Like, uh, bands that, you know, there are some, there are more established veteran bands that have teams of people that make a living off that band, you know, like staffs and, you know, managers and agents, and the whole, the whole team around the band, you know, that's basically all collectively struggling right now and trying to figure out creative solutions to keep things afloat, to keep income coming in so everyone can sustain the life that they're used to having, you know, it's definitely, um, it's going to be challenging. People are going to have to get creative with ways to keep things active and keep money coming in on that on that level, you know. Exactly. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, and of course, this uh, I'm sure fit was also affected, even though you had a hectic uh, spring planned. Uh, the Sea of Tragic Beast just came out. Amazing record in October. I'm sure you guys had some more touring planned this year. Um, so hopefully you guys haven't been impacted too bad. I mean, we took a huge hit. I mean, we had one day of a tour, right? Start, and then a whole, and then a whole tour was canceled. So, I mean, I'm talking tons, tons of money in merch, crew, rentals, lights, everything. You know, that was upfront to start a tour that size, like not a cheap endeavor. And uh, yeah, we were we were pretty in the hole, but you know, we ran some sales online. Uh, fans came through, picked up a lot of that tour merch that we were sitting on. We did we did pretty well there and put some new music out as a thank you that also like helped get some traction and um, help like keep keep some of the merch stuff going, you know. Luckily for us, like we run our own merch store, we do our own fulfillment. So it's like a scenario where we're not really dependent on other companies, uh, to take care of this stuff first all these problems for us. so when that tour fell through we knew like we better move quick on this let's get this stuff up let's try to 
Let's try to look like not have this debt and this huge merch bill. Uh, and we kind of just hustled through all of our door merch, and it kind of kept us. It got us back. You know, it got us back ahead. Which I think if we weren't able to do that and be so proactive with it, we would be sitting with pretty big debt right now. So, but yeah, I mean. All that being said, we canceled like five forces this year. I think that weren't even announced yet. Um, now we know aren't going aren't going to be happening. And we we had a, a, a great year, probably the best year the, in the band's career, lined up all over the world. Uh, and now everything is kind of just on hold. You know, I think it was something like almost two hundred shows, oh. uh, about one hundred fifty shows where. We were gonna play, and now we're not playing them. And you know, anytime soon. So they're starting to look at the end of the year. We reannounced an Australian tour uh, with Iris Murder and Diabetes in December in Australia, where we're hopeful that, like, when the band can kind of get back to it. But um, it's just all waiting game now, like it is for all the bands, just hanging, hanging out, and waiting to be told you can go do your job again. You know. Brutal. I will make sure to uh, link the uh, fit and the end web stores in this uh, podcast post. And uh, I'm really sorry to hear all that. That's that's a real bummer. Uh, so yeah, man, you're taking yeah, I mean, a, a beating. I don't want to. I did You know, I don't want to be. I don't want this to come off as complaining because, like I said, both bands are okay. You know, and I know there are a lot worse situations than you know what we're currently in. I'm very grateful that kids still kick through, picked up stuff from sores, and I guess all I'll say is if, if you like, if one of your favorite bands, you know, is having a rough go right now, it's like the best way you can get money to them is, is buying merch, you know, like helping out all your favorite bands by picking up stuff from their online stores. Basically the only revenue stream artists are seeing right now, you know. Um, and uh, doing that will help just, like, keep things afloat, keep bands from, you know, going under or, have, or struggling just to get by right now while everyone's kind of waiting to get back out there. Right on. Yesterday was the uh, second of uh, four band camp fee waiver days, which was, you know, pretty incredible of them. It's a lot of revenue they're not taking. They're letting the bands have. I wish that Apple and Spotify and everybody else would do that, but uh, I guess they won't. <laughs> It gets more complicated uh, as it scales up. I'm uh, sure it yeah. does. For but, sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, just just try, you know, all the companies you know, have like done proactive things to support artists. It's just awesome to see uh, actually good good community, you know, minded music services and coming together to like make some of these solutions to help bands because but if the bands all the small part anyway, you know, so it's like. Everyone has to kind of help each other in times like this. Facts. Um, just as we start to wind this down, I definitely wanted to just ask you a couple of questions about your producing career and in general producing questions. I'm sure you get asked a lot of questions about when you picked up a guitar, but I'm really interested in when was the moment or when was the time when you started to feel like I want to have a hand in shaping albums and, and producing and engineering came into your life. Yeah, I was, um, I was like always pretty active in music. I was playing in bands. I was booking shows in New Jersey. I was like trying, I tried to run a record label once. I was like, I was always, you know, never really saw it as like a career more, it's just like a passionate thing that I was into. And 
I was going to college for other things and t- taking some music classes for fun. But through um, through that, I got hooked up with an internship uh, at a studio. Long story short, with Machine, the record producer, and like uh, what was just going to be a temporary thing, I very quickly realized was something that I was really into doing, and uh, I had never really left. You know, I, once I got that opportunity to work there, I, I kind of saw how records were made, and I realized like, oh wow, this could actually be something I do for a living that I really like to do. You know, so I uh, kind of stove at first into that, and never really looked back. I kind of wind up, wound up not finishing college and just working there and being an engineer and, and it kind of progressed into me producing my own band and then kind of getting my own studio spot. And it's all been this like evolution just off of that, you know, from when I walked in the door that day. Uh, but yeah, that was like my whole come to Jesus moment there where uh, I realized like this is something I really want to do and, and that's all I've done since. Sick. Um, what is the biggest misconception bands come into the studio ready to record or not ready to record? What is the biggest misconception you have find yourself clearing up for bands when they first meet you or when they first come into work? Uh, the biggest misconception, that's a good one. Uh, what do we got? I think, I think a lot of bands get really attached to their demos and the songs that they write without maybe seeing the bigger picture sometimes that what they thought was finished could actually be better. You know, I think I see it more with younger bands, um, bands that are deeper into their album cycles and careers and who have worked with other producers or have kind of been around and grown as a band realize that, like, uh, sometimes you don't get it perfect on your first go writing a song and, uh, the reason why I work with bands is because I try to make their songs better. So me telling them that I think a part can be better in a song, it, you know, shouldn't be met with like a, no, this is this is what we wrote, this is perfect. It should be like, all right, well, what can we do? Let's try it. You know, so, so like maybe lack of open-mindedness initially sometimes and the misconception that like, oh, there can't be a better way to do this. This is just, this is how we wrote it. This is perfect. Like, uh, you know, that's sort of like a like a pitfall that sometimes I'll see with, with younger bands that I have to try to get over sometimes. Indeed. Uh, you know, obviously your uh, resume speaks for itself. Anybody who looks your uh, name up on Discogs is something like 200 plus pages of listings of, of records you've either played on or worked on. Um, I think you're as in demand sometimes to come in and help write records with bands. Um, And obviously, look, people know the big ones. Every time I die, I go Jero Body Count, The New Knock Loose. But um, I've been a fan of some of your your earliest stuff even, uh, like the Vanna record you worked on that I love. I think it was their last record, uh, or Demon Hunter. What are some records that you love as much as anything you worked on that people may not realize you worked on or just a little less famous for working on? Um, I guess some of the stuff on my imprint I'm really proud of and I don't think they I don't you know it's a lot of younger bands so I think some of that might still be off the radar but um, I worked with uh, the band Night Versus for, for two records and I, I really love those records um, the last one we did from the gallery Sleep is Fight it's just an awesome record they're, they're like some of the most talented musicians um, that exist in this genre right now and uh I mean, you would probably know Arik, he plays drums for the Beaver now. So Night Versus is a lot less active. That band 
little more of a full-time thing, but Night Versus is definitely a gem in that pile of bands uh, out there in my discography where, you know, they're, they're not fully realized yet. And they just play circles around so many other guys. That, that, that's definitely an awesome one. That's probably the first one that comes to mind. Awesome. And then just as a last question, was there ever sort of an aha moment, like an album you heard as a younger person before you played music that really like shaped you or changed your life? And what is it? Um, there's a lot of records coming up with like the late 90s hardcore scene around here. There was just a whole era of, you know, I had, I had listened to like rap music when I was a kid and then just new standard rock stuff. I got very into like the garage scene. Um, and then kind of worked my way into metal, like after Nirv- the Nirvana, the Soundgarden of the world. Then I started listening to Metallica and Slayer and Pantera and all that stuff. And I kind of just liked everything um, when I was younger. And then I went with a friend to a show in the area, and it was just hardcore bands. It was kind of my first experience. Like I might have been like 14 or 15 years old, um, but it was like my first taste of that world. And I really gravitated toward that stuff as a kid. So there's just a lot of stuff from that time period, like the early, you know, the Turmoil records and the God Forbid stuff, the Candyria stuff, and uh, even like D-Town from Jersey, Hatebreed records, like all that, all that war, uh, the whole, like a lot of the New York fans at the time, just that era of stuff was really influential on me as a kid. You know, it's a I still like and reference all the time. And I just think it was like a golden age for a lot of stuff on the East Coast. Uh, I don't have really one, just that whole collection of stuff in that community for that time that I really like, uh, think had the most impact on me, you know? Sick, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, obviously, your your next record release is End. Again, Splinters from an ever-changing face coming out June 5th on Closed Casket Activities. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with me today and sharing some of your stories. I really appreciate it. And again, I wish you and the guys the best and we all bounce back from this. Cool, man. Thank you for uh, taking the chat. I always appreciate people are interested in what the hell we do. Definitely interested. Thank you so much, Will. Take care. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.